Thank you for joining us on our podcast for Faith Center Church. We hope today's message builds you up and brings you hope right where you're at. Hope you enjoyed the message. If you would remain standing, please. There's anointing in the house. And I believe what we need to do at this moment is take authority over this second, third, fourth, whatever you want to call it, crop of COVID rising its head. We have all authority over sickness and disease because Jesus took the stripes at Calvary for us. And so folks, it's time as believers we stand in the authority that God has given us to speak to those diseases, to speak to that sickness. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to that disease, that COVID. I speak, Lord God, and I ask that that stripe that Jesus bore on His body bring healing to every single person, whether in this church, outside this church, for our nation that you would heal this disease that it would die that it would dry up and we curse it in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said come on give him a hand clap of praise because he's worthy amen he's worthy my goodness you know I mean it's just the enemy's just raising his head up and we can do one or two things. We can sit there and say, okay, here we go again. Or we can stand up and say, no, we're not doing this again. We're going to take authority over this in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? Because I believe today, let me tell you something, I believe today the word that God's given me for you and those that are watching online I believe it's going to transform your life this year. Not because I'm speaking it by any means, but because I know it's a now word for you. It's a now word for you. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. As you're turning there, I want to say a big congratulations to uh, uh, Kobe back there. Kobe, wave at me. Cooper, wave at me. Is he not here? Well, he is a new police officer in Davis, Oklahoma. That's him? Right there. Okay, okay. My bad. I'm sorry. And we speak protection over you. And now who was it that's going to marry? You got me totally confused now. That's Kobe. Kobe got engaged. So there's some big things happening in the Simon family back there. How long have you guys been coming to church here? 20 years plus? I still don't know their kids. I get them, I know them, I just get them confused, their names. Except for Camden, she's the prettiest one of all of them, so. But turn to Mark chapter 4. But y'all be praying for him, okay? Good job. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And I preach from this passage many, many times. This is not a redo. I said this is not a redo. 
This is some new info God's given me on this. New revelation that God showed me in this. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us, everybody say us, cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep. Now let me say this. When I say in the stern, that makes you think there was a compartment. It does me. There wasn't. This is an open boat. I studied on it. It's open. It's not, it's not like inside. It's, it's open, okay? And that's important. You'll see why in a minute. But he was in the stern of sleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father, speak to every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up, my mom made the most incredible tasting chocolate pie. She still does that you have ever tasted. I mean, your lips, I mean, your tongue will beat your lips trying to get it off. It was amazing. Amazing. When I got married, my wife started cooking the same chocolate pie. Now, it took her a while, and I say that with all due respect, sweetheart, but she has now mastered the recipe and craft to where her chocolate pie is now the best I've ever tasted. And I will always say that. <laughs> That's right, Mama, I learned. And I asked Tracy, I said, babe, I said, how, how did you get your pie to taste so different than mom's chocolate pie since you're using the same recipe? And she said, well, I use a little bit different ingredients than your mom does. Now, I can only describe the taste of her chocolate pie with a biblical scripture. That says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to taste and see how good this is. It's unbelievable. It's, it's amazing. Now, I can tell you, but I won't, because my mom will kill me, what she put in that chocolate pie. But until you taste it, until you experience it, you won't have a full understanding of how good it really is. Here's my point. Just because I didn't know there was a whole other level of that chocolate pie's taste that existed didn't mean there wasn't another level. But once I got exposed to another level of that chocolate pie and that taste, watch this, I can never unexpose myself. I expect it every time she makes me one. It's going to taste just the same. You know what? It always does. So now the chocolate pie that I used to call great, my mom's, and it still is. My mama's chocolate, you know what I call it? It's good. It was great, catch this, I'm using an analogy here, I, I think you get that, right? 
It was great in one season because that's all I was ever exposed to. But once I got exposed to something different, what I call great in one season, I look back and call good now. Here's the thing. My exposure wasn't informational. My exposure was experiential. And I believe that is a word for us in this new year, 2022. Our exposure is not just going to be informational any longer. It's going to become experiential. God's word is going to become experiential in our lives. We're not just going to hear the word. We're going to start being doers of that word. Now you're probably wondering, what does this chocolate pie analogy have to do with Jesus? It's possible, church, that many people are only living with informational knowledge about Jesus. They just know him here. I got an awesome friend that literally can quote, has memorized, can quote the New Testament. That is amazing to me. I could never do that. It's not a gifting that I have. Every word that I say out of my mouth, I usually write on my, my iPad. I've got to have notes. It's just the way God made me. If you broke bricks with your head for 25 years, I promise you, you'd be the same way. <laughs> what I used to memorize and talk, I now make sure I put down. But they're just living with informational knowledge about Jesus. Even the Pharisees, church, had information about Jesus. They had knowledge about Jesus. If you say God is good to them, they say all the time. And if you said all the time to them, they say God is good. The old cliche. If you would say to them, he's a doctor in a sick room, they'd look at you and say, he's a lawyer in a courtroom. They knew. They knew about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew about Daniel in the lines then. They had all the information. They had this knowledge, but they were lacking experience. See, when God is attempting to groom and grow you and grow us into the best version that we can be, what he does is he orchestrates a transition for you to experience your own chocolate pie. See, you love the reader's version of Christianity until you taste of the chocolate pie. Until you taste and see how good the Lord really is. Come on. He orchestrates situations that transitions us from informational to experiential. Now, experiential learning is the most effective, but it's also the least comfortable. It's, it's not real comfortable because what you have knowledge of, you are then responsible for. So it's not always the most comfortable because it's easier to receive information than it is to walk through an experience. Come on. Our text today reveals to us how God will orchestrate or use situations to give you a revelation of Him that you could not get through information only. See, here's the thing. Some of us have been calling our storms heartbreak, betrayal, disappointment, instability, pain. And what I want to tell you this morning is that teaches 
uh, so the text teaches us here that there's another adjective that you need to add to your array of words that you're using to describe storms, and that ad- adjective is this, storms are schools. Storms are schools. And what that means, that means God uses seasons. Everybody say seasons. Because that's what it is. It's going to be a season. God uses seasons in our life where our atmosphere is disrupted. He uses us in an opportunity, or he uses it an opportunity to educate us about him in ways that we could not be educated had it not been for that experience that we had to go through. I've been in a series about faith these past almost a month or so. And this series is not just teaching us about faith. I'm not doing it to teach you about faith. It's intended to build your faith. That's what I want it to do. What we've established is your faith hinges upon upon your revelation of three things. And you'll be familiar when I say this, if you've been in in these teachings at all. Number one, God's character, who he is. Number two, we've talked about God's competence. That's what he can do. And number three, we talk about God's covenant. That is his prearranged, established agreement he's made with you and I. So, the strength of a person's faith is not tied to how inspired a person is from these sermons that I've taught about faith. It's inspirational, but it's not transformative. Why? Because it's short-lived. But if faith is going to be built, it's going to be tied to a revelation of those three things. The revelation of God's character, God's competence, and God's covenant. Once you get a revelation of those three things, your faith will begin to grow. Your faith will begin to build. See, a lot of people don't understand what God's will is for their life. You know why? Have you ever wondered, I wonder what God's will is for me. I've made that comment. I wonder what God's will is for me when I was younger. What's God's will for me? You know why people don't know what God's will is? Because they don't understand covenant. I'm not saying you don't know it. I'm just saying you don't, they don't have the full comprehension of the understanding of it. And I'm not saying you're going to know what God's will is in every situation. I'm not saying that either. But I am saying we're more confused about it than we should be. Because when you understand covenant, you understand that he is already what he's already agreed to. Him supplying every need that you have is a covenant promise. That's a covenant. When you accepted Jesus, you, became, you came into a covenant through Jesus with God. Him supplying your need is a promise. It's a covenant promise. God made an arrangement and he told us what triggers that arrangement. Covenant. Seek me first. The writer of Hebrews says that a testament, which is agreement or a covenant, is not enforced until the death of the testator. Or the person. Which means if I have a will deeded to someone else, it's not enforced until I what? Die. So Jesus is the testator. So when he died, he activated and triggered that will. Most people don't know his will because they haven't read the will. 
Four people got that. When you read that word, you're reading the will. You're reading all that God has left you, church. There are things sitting in a trust for you that you don't even know exist right now. There are some things reserved for you when you hit a certain age. You know, many times people will set up a trust. And certain things in that trust are not released. And the person they are dealing them to reaches a certain age. So what? It's released when you reach a natural certain age. But watch this. In the spiritual, it's released when you hit a spiritual age. Which is why the enemy wants to keep you in an immature state. Don't read your Bible. You don't work. When you read, you learn. Because the enemy knows that there are some things that we won't get in the trust if we don't mature in God's Word. Listen, I don't want anything to be sitting in a will that can be manifested in my life. That's why I keep myself maturing in God's Word. I have not arrived yet. I will not arrive until I go see Jesus. I learn every single day. It's one thing to know that informationally, but it's another thing to experience it experientially. So, the Word says God uses and orchestrates unusual circumstances to give us a revelation of His character, okay? Now, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I want you to see the dots that connect here. At the end of the text, watch this, the disciples say, what? Who is this? What? Who is this? What do you mean? Who is this? You left your family? You left your businesses to work for this man? What do you mean? Who is this? This is Mark chapter 4. But remember, we talked about a few weeks ago in Mark chapter 1, Jesus healed uh, his mother-in-law. So what do you mean? Who is this, Peter? What do you mean, who is this? You knew who he was informationally. See, this is your reader's version. But God said, I need to use and orchestrate a circumstance. Mark chapter 4. And I want you to hear this like this is a right now word for you, church. I want you to hear this like God is giving you clarity regarding your calamity. Because that's exactly what he's going to do, I believe, today. And I want you to understand you're not in a storm, you're in a school. Ding, ding. School's in session. Because if you just see it as a storm, you're only going to focus, your only focus is going to be getting out of it. How do I get out of this, God? All this junk, all this mess. Because you're just looking at it as a storm. Look at it as a school, as a teaching. God, what are you trying to show me here? Because if you see it as a school, your focus will be understanding what God's trying to teach me. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to learn something. And say it just like that. I'm about to learn something. That's Oklahoma vernacular right there. See, you've got to see what God is trying to show you because if you don't see, then God's got to reteach you again. <laughs> 
I'm not just trying to get out. I'm trying to see something because God could have stopped this, but he didn't. So what do you want me to see, God? Because he could have caused this to end quicker, but he didn't. So what do you want me to see, God? Because God, if I don't see what you're trying to teach me, then that means you're going to make me repeat this grade again. And I don't want to keep repeating the same grade. Some of you keep repeating and rehearsing the same storm. You know why? Because you're not learning anything. I know that hurt a little bit. That's okay. You'll get better. But it's the truth. Because God does not give false promotions. He doesn't put me ahead if I don't demonstrate mastery on the level that I'm already on. So what he's going to do is use a new storm to reteach me an old lesson. So what do you want me to see, God? How do I address this? This text, folks, is a powerful picture. We pick it up here in verse 35. Look at it, look at it again. On the same day, 35, on the same day when evening had come. Now stop right there. That seems simple. That seems profound. If you know what else happened that day. That's where a lot of us stop. We just read that day. But there's a lot of things that went on that day. You see, on that day, when evening, when evening came, doesn't matter unless you know what happened that day. So with that being said, do you want to know what happened that day? Okay, I thought you would. Okay, here we go. All that day, Jesus is mentoring, discipling, teaching his disciples, teaching his students. When you look at Mark chapter 4, what you'll see is the entire chapter is a chapter of parables. It's parables. He's using this teaching tool called parables. It's what I call the homiletic of Jesus. It's how he's describing things. It's his teaching style. Taking something that is culturally popular taking something that is natural that people understand and using it to explain something that is spiritual that people don't understand. That's what a parable does. So he explained the kingdom of God and, the living, and living the king's way by using parables. He spends the entire day teaching them. They're getting this information all day, okay, right? Teaches the parable of the sower and the seed along with other examples. Now in Mark chapter 1, he's teaching by the lake. He's teaching on one side, okay? They're not in the lake. He's teaching by the lake. That's important. Not in the lake yet, teaching by the lake. After he gets through teaching by the lake, he tells the disciples, now, let's get in it. So after he gets through teaching by the lake, he goes, okay, now let's get in the lake. He's like, so you've been, I've been teaching you. Now you've got a whole full day of notes, right? They're like, yeah, we're right. We've got it. We got it. He said, you've got a full feed of Facebook posts ready, right? You got that? They're like, yeah, yeah, we got it. We're, we're going to post them here in a moment. And he's telling them, you thought class was by the lake. But class is not by the lake. Class is in it. You're fixing to experience class in the lake. Now watch this. He tells them, let us go over to the other side. 
so many people miss that right there. Not, I hope we make it to the other side. We're going to experience some turmoil before we get to the other side. No, he said, let us go over to the other side. And Mark gives us, Mark 4.36 says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along. Stop right there. You see, sometimes people go in the lake and the order is reversed. They leave Jesus and take the crowd. <laughs> they leave Jesus and they take the crowd. But the text says they left the crowd and they took Jesus. Hear me, church. It's easy to pick the crowd when you're not in the lake. God, it's so easy. When things are cool, when things are calm, it's easy to pick the crowd until you need somebody who can speak to a storm. Until you need somebody who can say, peace be still, and the atmosphere obeys. Until you need somebody that can break a fever that Tylenol can't break. Until you need somebody that can heal a broken heart. Until you need somebody that can wipe away that tear from your eye. The text says, let us go the other side and leaving the crowd behind. Let us go to the other side and leaving the crowd behind. What does that mean? Thank you. I'm glad you asked me that question. It means that some people that were in the crowd were not part of the us. Did you catch that? Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Some people in that crowd were, were not part of the us. So Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And we would assume that us means everybody. But everybody in the crowd is not part of us. And some of you are getting frustrated because you're trying to include people in on a word because they're in the crowd. But the word is not for the people that are in the crowd. The word is for the people that are part of the us. And I believe, church, in this season of your life, God is trying to show you your us. When you pray this week, say, God, show me my us. Who is my tribe? You can't include everybody. So God, show me who is my us. You see, they were for you by the lake. But they're not for you when you're in the lake. Some people are good on the shore, but they're not good in the lake. Hear this, church. Your ability to move forward is tied to your willingness to leave the uninterested behind. Some people love just being by the lake. So they heard the same thing you heard. Let us go. But they didn't respond the way you responded. So why is that, Pastor Craig? Here it is. Because they're not in the us. They like just being in the lake. By the lake. They don't like being in it. Just teach me all day. Give me a word that tickles my ear, makes me feel good. Show me how to make a lot of money. Give me some parables. 
cool stories, cool illustrations. Give me all the information that I have, but I have no intention on doing anything with it. People by the lake. It's like the church today has created a culture where we're just comfortable being by the lake. It's like, I really don't want that much spiritually, God. I just need some spiritual assistance when I'm dealing with some consequences that I got my own self into. So just let me make my own decisions as long as it works. God, I'm good. I holler at you when I need you. I'm good. Some people treat God like a genie and they rub the bottle when they get in trouble. See, now when it doesn't work, I need you to come back and fix what I broke, God. Because I didn't listen to you in the first place. There's a difference between the crowd and the us. Jesus is on the boat moving. And you're on the shore trying to convince the uninterested. Stop wasting your time. Find your us. The text says they took him along. Just as he was. They took Jesus along, write that down, just as he was. As he was. Not as they thought he should be. As he was. Because watch this, as he is, is enough. Just as he is, is enough. See, before we go any further, listen, you need to make sure you have the right Jesus in your boat. Look at Mark Verse 36 and 37, Mark 4. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Don't miss this. So a storm comes, okay? And the storm does what? It influences the sea. And the sea, what? Starts getting in the boat, I said, the storm comes, the storm influences the sea, the sea starts getting in the boat, okay? Here's the issue. Jesus was in the stern of sleep. And remember what I said? He's not in the compartment. It's an open boat. Okay, so I kind of understand if you're sleeping through the thunder. I get that. I like thunder when I sleep. And I kind of understand if you're sleeping through the lightning. And I kind of understand because it's not a yacht, But what I'm trying to understand and comprehend is how you sleeping when it's raining on you? How you sleeping through the rain? And I'm like, you're not, I'm trying to understand it because you're not not feeling that, Jesus? It's raining on you. So he's wet, (laughs) but he's still asleep. Then water starts filling the boat. Brother, still sleep. Storm on the outside that's causing a flood on the inside. Because you know what? Storms produce floods. Let's hang out here a little bit. I'll be here in 10 minutes, maybe less. It starts spilling over into areas that you didn't expect it to flood because of one storm. Then it starts flooding the relationship. It's a storm that has nothing to do with the company 
But then it starts flooding over into the business. It's a storm that has nothing to do with the children, but then it starts flooding into the parenting. It's a storm that has nothing to do with you physically, but the emotional pressure is producing so much stress and strain on the body, it starts flooding to other areas of your life. Is there anybody here that's ever been in a storm that caused a flood? You're saying this thing has nothing to do with this thing, but because of this thing, it's flooding over here. And Jesus is asleep. Come on, have you ever prayed and felt like your prayers didn't get above the ceiling? And so Jesus is asleep, inactive, not engaged, unbothered, knowing that all this is going on, but not doing anything about it. The text says this, and the disciples woke him up. They woke him up naturally, which means we need to ask ourselves, what is the equivalent of waking him up spiritually? You know what that is equivalent to? How you praise him in praise and worship. How you pray. Do you pray until he hears you? Call out to him until he hears you. You better wake him up. The Bible says you have not because you what? Wake him up. They woke him up naturally. We have to wake him up spiritually. Here's what I want you to see. Watch this. When they woke him up, this is what they asked. Teacher. They said, teacher, you know why? Why'd they say teacher? Because that's all they knew him as. He'd been teaching them all day. For some of us, all we know him as is deliverer, savior, teacher. That is all some of us know him as. But that's not all that he is. Jesus said, if all I do is teach you by the lake, all you ever know about is me, that I'm a teacher. If I don't, this is Jesus talking, if I don't orchestrate or use some situations to force you to lean into me, you will live your spiritual life only knowing me as teacher. It was a teacher for them, church. I don't know what he is for you. You have to fill in that blank. Look at verse 38. But he was in the stern of sleep on a pillow, and they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They say, they're saying, do you not care? Because they assumed if he cared, he would have behaved differently. So because Jesus is not doing something that they think he should be doing. Come on, have we, have we ever been there? Well, you should be doing this, God. But because he's not doing something they think he should be doing, they're questioning whether or not he cared. But here's the question. Did you drown? Just because you're afraid, write this down. Just because you're afraid doesn't mean you're in danger. 
Look what he said in verse 39 and 40 of Mark 4. He arose, rebuked the wind, said to the sea, peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They were so emotionally intoxicated with fear that he had to talk to the wind before he could talk to them. What does that mean? They're freaking out. They're all beside themselves. This is why most of us don't get a now word about the storm until after the storm. We're too busy freaking out. He said, why are you so fearful? How's it you got no faith? To me, this seems like an unrealistic question, church. I mean, it's kind of like, what do you mean? Why am I so afraid? You see the water coming in the boat, don't you? That's why I'm afraid. I think Jesus is asking them, why are you so afraid? Because he's trying to get them to understand that what they're getting outside the sea is so inadequate. Because, watch this, part of the parable that Jesus taught them earlier in the day was a parable of the sower sowing the word, and the word is sown like a seed on different types of what? Soil. That soil represents different types of hearts, and some of that seed doesn't bring forth fruit because it's what? Choked out by the cares and worries of this world. And Jesus is like, I just finished talking to you about this. I just told you about this. How many of you told your kids, I just talked to you about this? I just told you it's going to ground your butt if you did that. What is wrong with you? It's basically the same thing right here. It's as if Jesus is saying, I'm not saying why you're so afraid because of the storm or the presence of the water in the boat. I'm asking you why you're afraid because you know I'm on here. You know I'm here. Why are you so afraid? So if it's just water, you shouldn't be afraid. So if it was just your circumstance, you shouldn't be afraid. So if it was just your situation, you shouldn't be afraid. But Jesus is like, I'm on the boat, so it doesn't matter if the water is here or not. I'm here. Why are you afraid? No matter what you're going through, and I don't want to say I don't care what you're going through because I do care. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is there. He's right there. He's not going anywhere. Now watch. When they left the shore, Jesus said what? Let us go to the other side. I'm never wearing a jacket when I preach again. I'm about to sweat myself pieces up here. But I want to look cool, Tim. Do I look cool? I'm burning up, Bucky. I'm going for comfort next time. I'm not going for cool. I'm Stephen Furtick wannabe up here. So, <laughs> when they left the shore, he said, let's go to the other side. Church, it's not a question. It's a command. He said, we're going to the other side. Don't you get excited about that? We're going to the other side. Not a question. Not a suggestion. That's where we're going. Doesn't matter what happens till we get there. That's where we're going to end up. Doesn't matter what you're going through, maybe in your life right now. You're going to end up with victory. 
you're going to end up on the other side. If Jesus said, we're going to the other side, then a storm is not going to stop me from getting there. Jesus is trying to show them his character and that he is trustworthy. The question today is, does your storm have you questioning his character? There are some things that God has shown me on the, other sh- on the, on the shore for 2022 for this body of believers. So storms that we may run into this year does not cancel what Jesus has said about our lives this year. There's some things that God is going to establish in you this year if you don't bail on him in the storm. Today, we're on the shore. Today, Jesus is telling us we're going to the other side. Yep, there may be some wind. There may be some rain. There may be some storms. There may be some water flooding, but let me tell you something. We're going to the other side. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We're going. I told you I was about through. 11.30 in the money. Man, I'm excited about what God is doing in this body right now. There's some things that God's orchestrating. There's some things that God's doing. There's some things that God's moving around. It's kind of like a chest. He's kind of moving pieces around. And get ready, because it's fixing to be checkmate, baby. And we're fixing to win, big time. Father, I thank you for this awesome body of believers. I thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for those that are watching online. I speak healing to the body in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, I thank you that no sickness, no weapon, anything formed against this body of believers will prosper in the name of Jesus. No matter what the enemy throws at us, it will fall on the left to the right, but will not penetrate or hurt us in Jesus' name. I thank you that 2022 is going to be a year, Lord, that we get to the other side. We don't just go, Father. We get. We arrive. I thank you for our purpose and our destinies that we arrive in 2022 where you want us to be. I thank you for the commitment that you place in our heart to be here, to hear that word, Lord God, and to make sure we get the information we need together and to go where we need to go. If you're here this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed, you're here this morning, and you say, Craig, I'm right in the middle of a storm. It's a storm I've never experienced in my life, ever. And I'm not going to lie to you, Pastor, I'm a little scared. Let me see your hand, okay? Okay? If you're here and you say, Pastor, I've just come out of a storm, and I'm telling you right now, whoo, it wasn't any fun. But I know one thing, God brought me through. Let me see your hand. Amen, amen. I see those hands too. And this one, you don't have to raise your hand, but get ready because we're all about to go into another storm. But we will come out victorious. We will get to the other side. And Father, for those that are in the middle of a storm that they never experienced in their life, Father, I thank you that you're bringing them through. I thank you they're going to get to the other side. And I thank you, Lord God, that as we prepare and we go through 2022, no matter what comes, no matter what happens, no matter the situations or the circumstances, Father, we're not looking at the circumstance or the storm. We're looking to the other side to where you're taking us. And we're going to get there. I said, we're going to get there in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen.